Right. Good morning. <laughs> Good. Um, hold on just a second. There we go. Hope everybody slept well. Uh, yeah, it was a foggy morning, wasn't it? Anybody up early enough to see that fog? I walked through. We've been doing this trick in our little room. We've got this coffee craft. It's a coffee pot, but we didn't get coffee ahead of time. So one of us every morning has like journeyed over to the kitchen with the whole carafe, and we've done the instant coffee, bring the whole pot back. And I was like walking through the mist. I had one mug in my hand that I was drinking, one mug in the other hand. I just felt really victorious, and I'm not sure why. Um, we made it through the fog. Uh, what I want to do is just briefly finish what I started last night in Ephesians 6, talking about the armor of God. We talked about the battle that we're in. We talked about a few three pieces of the six-part armor that God gives us every single day to be able to fight the battles that we're in. Um, But here's what I want to highlight. One of the things that I want us to not miss first is how God calls us to be strong. Uh, But again, he's not calling us to be strong, empty of provision. He's calling us to be strong in him. But not just strong in him, in his what? His mighty power. Sometimes we glance over words and it just doesn't sink in, but when we focus on that, it's not only an invitation that God gives to us to be strong in him, but it's a declaration. He has mighty power available for you and I that we live in every single day. And how do we live in that power? Well, there's a word, it's called hope. That passage calling us to live in his mighty power is a a look-up passage. What do I mean by that? It means that we look up to God for the strength that we need. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Every day in the midst of the battles that we face, we can look up to God to find all the strength that we need. And then secondly, to recognize the battle that we're in. We're in it every single day. Every single day there's a battle. And it's not against who we see. It's not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, the powers, the principalities of the unseen world. It's our enemy. It's Satan and his emissaries. And we're called to put on the full armor, not when or not if, but when the day of evil comes. So next three parts. We talked about the the belt of truth. We talked about... um, (laughs) How's my memory this morning? Thank you. Breastplate of righteousness. And then we also talked about the shoes of peace. And in Ephesians 6.16, here's what it says. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, this was in the time of, of Rome. And Roman warriors would have a huge shield that would have a strap or a connecting mechanism connected to their arm. They would use it for defense in the midst of a battle, obviously to stave off arrows, but it would also be for offense, depending on what issue they might have faced. But it wouldn't be any good unless they used it. It wouldn't be any good unless they raised it. It wouldn't be any good unless they brought it forth. And I was just thinking, what does it mean that we raise a hallelujah? Hallelujah is our highest praise, but what are we doing? We're raising our shield of faith. We're saying that even though our eyes don't see perfectly or clearly, we're raising this shield because it's what we have. Faith in the Bible means to trust. It's a firm belief and it's an unshakable conviction in God and who he is and who his promises are for us. Hebrews 11 is an amazing chapter of the scriptures. It starts with this phrase. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we don't see. And then there's this amazing list 
of people in the scriptures whom stories that we've read who are very imperfect, very imperfect, but had these moments where they raised their shield of faith in a way that made a lasting eternal difference. It says Abel, Abel brought a better sacrifice. Enoch pleased God. Noah built the ark at God's command. Abraham believed and went to a foreign land and then offered Isaac as a sacrifice when he was tested by faith, and then God provided. By faith, then Isaac blessed Jacob, and Jacob blessed Joseph. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months, and Moses left Egypt, kept Passover, passed through the Red Sea. Rahab hid the spies, and so on and so on. We don't have time to unpack all their stories, but again, I just want to emphasize these people who are heralded in Hebrews 11 were very imperfect, very imperfect, broken, betrayers, but yet there was a shield of faith that they came back to. And I just wonder in our imperfection, when we raise that shield of faith, how much we honor God by doing so. When are we called to raise the shield of faith? Simple answer is always. Always. Because those flaming arrows are coming. What are those flaming arrows? It's temptation. God does not tempt us. Evil does. It's exploitation of our weaknesses. It might be just false beliefs about God or ourselves that we allow too deeply in. That's why Paul spent the first three chapters of this book that we're looking at reminding those believers at Ephesus who God was and who they were as a result. But we take up the shield of faith with humility depending on God's power. Here's a passage that I want to emphasize around what it looks like to raise the shield of faith. It's 1 Peter 5, 6 through 9. I just want to read this slowly. It says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Now, oftentimes we stop reading there because it's a passage reminding us of what being humble means and what it looks like. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Believe in him, trust in him, raise your shield of faith knowing who he is with humility. Then seven, cast on all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Again, that's a verse we often isolate and just, and that's good, right? Because there's truth in it. But again, we have to read in the context. Here's what it says after that. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around you like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour Resist him, or what it means to stand firm, like Paul is calling for in Ephesians. Standing firm in the faith because you know the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. Cast all your anxieties on you. Why? Because your enemy, the devil, is running around like a roaring lion. Have you ever woken up in the morning to a roaring lion outside your window? Have you? Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's right there. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, oh, I love it. I love it. Thanks, Tim. That's so good. Um, a few months ago, I just saw this video from South Africa. You might have seen it. It was a safari guide. And the video starts, it's on the safari guide's phone. He's filming himself. And the video starts with him just as a selfie. And you can tell it's the morning. You can tell that it's cool because he's got a little beanie hat on. You can tell, like, this guy's got gear on. Like, he's leading a safari. 
and he explains what he's doing. He's just making coffee. It's like me walking through the mist with the carafe and the mug. Like he's just, he's just wanting his morning coffee. It's pretty simple. But then he goes around to the window and turns the phone, and there is a massive male lion like 10 feet from his window. And this is a South African window. This isn't like zoo glass. There's like little chicken wire in between he and this male lion. And then all of a sudden, without like warning, this male lion lets out a roar. And, and truly, when I watched this video, I, I jumped, like I startled, because you weren't expecting it. Here's this roaring lion right out the window. Well, what was going on is there was a lioness right underneath the window next to the little hut that this safari guide was staying in. And this male lion was trying to protect this lioness, because I think he was interested in her. But she didn't want anything to do with him. But, I mean, think about that. Like, outside, outside this window is not an astronaut, but a, a roaring lion right there with no protection. And it made me realize, I've never woken up to that, but it actually made me stop and think, well, have I? If this passage is true and we believe that it is, every day... There's a roaring lion outside our window looking to devour us. There's flaming arrows being shot there. And that is exactly why God has provided us with this incredible shield of faith to stave that off. What are the battles that you're facing right now? What are the lies that you're tempted to believe? What are the things that are getting the best of you as you attempt to face the struggles and the strife that you're in? Raise your shield of faith. Raise a hallelujah. Fight that temptation. Now the next bit of armor is the helmet of salvation. Ephesians 6, 17 says, take the helmet of salvation and put it on. Think about a helmet. Um, I mentioned this, but our football season for my son is about to start. <clears throat> and we went and picked up his gear uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, he got a helmet. It was a pretty good helmet, but it didn't fit him. So we had to go back and get another one. Well, it just kept getting better. I played football in the late 90s. When you look at the helmets today, compared to the helmets that we wore back in the day. I mean, the advancements of technology have just been amazing. That helmet has been scientifically designed in a robust way to protect my son's head in the instance that he might make contact with another human in a relatively violent manner, as much as seventh graders could. He's emerged out of the hug and fall over phase, and now they're actually tackling, which is good. But that helmet is designed to protect one of the most vital organs that God has given to him, and that's his mind, that's his brain. And it's symbolic of the helmet of salvation because it's the same very thing that God is doing for us spiritually. It's to protect our mind, and it's to protect our brain. What is salvation? It's rescue. It's what we sang about that Rich called out. It's Jesus paying the penalty on the cross to secure us for all of eternity. It's meaning this, that no matter what, no matter what, no matter what, God's got you. No matter what, God's got you. And it's not just for right now, it's for all of eternity. What you face has nothing on the security of your salvation. Amen? Nothing. And that's the helmet of salvation. But we have to use it. We have to use it. It's not just something that we can put on and just take off whenever we want to. We have to put on that salvation helmet actively because our battle is in the mind. 
You know, I woke up this morning and I was immediately met by scarcity. Like I had this thought of around like, what if we, you know, what if we don't have what we need? And it was a particular reality in our life and it woke me up from bed and it was an opportunity to remind myself God provides for every need that we have. Philippians 4.8 says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Why? Because they're reflectant of the helmet of salvation that reminds us of what's more true than the things that we see and we face and we struggle with. In Christ, you have a helmet of salvation and we're called to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And we can do that every single day. That's the helmet of salvation. Lastly, the sword of the Spirit. The last part of Ephesians 6.17 and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You know, when a soldier goes into battle, this is the image that we're given. The most important thing that they carry into that battle is their weapon. And they go into meticulous links to make sure that their weapons are well taken care of and in working order because when you enter into that battle, if your weapon's not working, you're pretty sunk. And I mentioned this on uh, Thursday when we got going, but... Um, I had this seminary professor, again, I, I've, I've shared this story already, but I just can't get it out of my head when I think about this because this is the sort of the spirit. And he just kept telling us, keep this word close to you and let it change you. Keep it close to you and let it change you because this is the word of God. This is the sort of the spirit. This is our greatest weapon in the battle against evil because it reflects God who wrote it. And so we bring this with us in our hearts and in our minds everywhere we go. When we follow Jesus' example, we fight with this sword and we fight in the knowledge of who he is. So when we think about something that we're facing and we're tempted to think, I can't do that, well, we remember if we, our Philippians 4.13, therefore I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. When you might fa face a temptation to sin, in 1 Corinthians 10.13, we're reminded that God has given us a way out. See what we're doing there? We're fighting with a sword. We're saying that lie has got nothing on us. Actually, there's a way out that we can step out. When we might be tempted in a hard circumstance to wonder if God has left us, we hear the words of Jesus in Matthew 28, to the end of the age, I will be with you. And in Isaiah, you walk through the fire, God is with you. When you don't have the strength to carry on, you look up and Isaiah 40, 31 says, when you wait on the Lord, your strength will rise like, on wings like eagles. Wait on the Lord who's with you. When you wonder if you're going to make ends meet, Philippians 4.19 says God will supply your every need in Christ. He's providing for you. And what's interesting to me as I recap this list is it all works together. <laughs> it all works together. These are not separate things that do separate functions. It's all working together. And these are weapons. These are battle-ready things that we take up every single day. We take up all these pieces of armor and we see it at the end and we just did it. This is what brings it all together and I think this is what brings the book of Ephesians all together. It says this in 618. It says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for the Lord's people. I really think it's cool what we just demonstrated there and I think it's really neat that we get to bring those home with us and allow those to remind us 
of the people at Summer Splash that we got to interact with. Remind us that we have needs. Remind us that all of us have needs. But we get to cap all of this up, putting on the armor of God, remembering everything that we've learned through prayer. And we're always praying for the Lord's people. Here's the thing. To summarize this, especially the last two messages, we don't have to fear the fight. There's nothing to fear. The battle that you face, the battle that I face, there is nothing to fear in it because God has already won. Jesus has already attained the victory and you have everything that you need. Everything that you need, whatever it is that you face, to go back with these armor pieces through the presence of the Holy Spirit to fight. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, feet that are fitted with the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, tying it all together by prayer, by prayer, by prayer. So as we go home today, and as we take our kids with us, if that's the nature of our life, and as we remember what God did here at Summer Splash 2022, we're reminded that he goes with us and he goes before us, and we can be with him in prayer to engage in everything that he's told us, actively at home, and work in everything that we do. And it's been awesome. So let's pray together. <clears throat> God, what I know in this moment is that you've just been having individual conversations with us. There might have been things that popped in our minds when we heard something from your word that you've been speaking to our hearts. And Father, you're so good in that. I lose sight of it all the time, but Lord, you know exactly what we need before we even ask. You know our coming and our going. You know when we stand up. We know when we, you, when we lie down. And you know us. In our innermost being, you know us. Nothing's hidden from you. That doesn't need to terrify us. That needs to make us grateful because you're so good. You hold all of it together and you hold our lives together in you. And so, God, together we want to ask that as we walk off of this mountain, as we walk out of this shared experience together, that, Lord, you would just simply keep speaking, Lord. You're so good. You do it. But just tune our hearts to hear your voice in a brand new, fresh way. Lord, we pray over the children. Together we pray over the children. We hear their voices. God, would you raise that next generation to trust in you more than anything else? Would you make them strong and courageous, bold for you? Would you help them to see the vision that you have for their life? And would you give them the strength and all that they need to be able to pursue it and have you be the marker of who they become in their character? God, we praise you for how you have done that over the last 25 years through this experience. And we see the fruit. We see the KCs. We see people who have contributed to this, literally that have grown up in this, God. And we just give you all the honor and glory for it. And yet we trust and we know for those littles that are out there that you're going to do the same thing, that you're doing the same thing. And so, God, would you mold our families? Would you shape our families? Would you just connect our families to you more than anything else? And God, bring your life, bring your love, bring your healing, bring your peace, bring your goodness into our families, we pray. Thank you for this gathering. Thank you for this time. 
And Lord, we honor you first and foremost and always for everything that you've done. And we pray these things together in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you, everyone. This has been such a gift to be here with you and to just be able to share. And I pray that as you go home and we go home together, that we'll keep this most in mind. Thanks, everybody. Let's hear it for Brian, everybody. Thank you so much.